up? It's your host Tori and who is ready to be petty? Welcome back to another episode of RTBP. I'm so glad you're here and it's round two. I've recorded this episode before but I just didn't like the way I sounded. I sounded kind of like a whiny bitch so I'm back to do it all again. Today we're going to talk about the Grammys because that happened. Other Taylor Swift news, the Super Bowl with some Taylor Swift news, some celeb relationship updates and then I'm gonna nominate a pettyweight champion of the week no this week in petty this week you know when you're just so down bad down bad depressed not down bad horny or anything like that no when I say down bad it's always gonna be the depressed one but it's like when things like aren't funny to bitch about like that are happening or just like you just feel like you can't bitch about like getting a parking ticket or whatever because everything else is like crap that's how I feel so we're gonna skip this week in petty uh this week but I'm sure we will have many more moments that we can enjoy together in the future so let's get into it (laughs) the Grammys happened I didn't watch but I watched clips online obvi dog kitkat bar I don't have like cable tv and I would rather die than (laughs) I really gotta stop than watch a three and a half hour tv event that sounds absolutely like my worst nightmare but there was some really fun notable moments first Tracy Chapman and Luke Combs performing fast car yes I cried yes it was beautiful yes I've listened to that song every day since it was so amazing to see Tracy Chapman in I think a custom Prada outfit and just like Luke Combs being so obsessed with her and then Miley Cyrus winning not one but two Grammys so exciting because it's just so shocking that she hasn't won a Grammy yet because she has such great music like Party in the USA Bob The Climb Bob like how did those not even get nominated and then and then she was a little bit of a PCW when she was like I don't think I forgot anyone in her speech. She said, I don't think I forgot anyone, but I definitely forgot my underwear or something like that. But we know the context as Petty Bettys, and it's because she is in a feud with Billy Ray Cyrus. She had a falling out with him, maybe because of his new wife. And she didn't mention Billy or Noah. Um, And I think there's one other sib that she doesn't talk to in her speech. And then saying she didn't forget anyone was a you know pettyweight champ moment for Miley I also really appreciated Jay-Z speaking about Beyonce and how she is the most decorated Grammy winner of all time with like I think 32 or 34 Grammys but has never won album of the year that doesn't make sense and I'm sure there were plenty of other moments but we gotta talk about Taylor it was a big night for her So let's start off with her outfit. I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. I thought her hair was absolutely atrocious. Bangs weren't banging. Braid wasn't braiding. It just, it wasn't good. It looked really like a rat's nest. Like, I was like, that is kind of like what my hair looks like after I go out and then wake up the next day and it's in like a half bun like around my neck, but like half ponytail. It would have looked so much better if her hair was up. I think a lot of celebs are like weirdly scared to wear their hair up or just opt for their hair down long. 
Um, when you have a lot going around the neck area, like uh, a dress that has like a high neck, a collar, lots of necklaces, big earrings, like anything like that, you should wear your hair up so your eye is drawn to your neck or your decolletage in this case because she was wearing a watch necklace that was set to midnight. She made sure on the red carpet that it was set to midnights with tree pain, which was like definitely staged. Um, that was like, I feel like the big statement piece. So you want, yeah, your eyes to be drawn to that area. And I think celebs, because I guess, I guess it's because of like the beauty standards and like stuff like that. Like I talked about this on my Patreon with, Jenna from Date Card about having short hair and like men considering you ugly but like when you wear like a backless dress or again something showy on the front like I think you should wear your hair up and I think Olivia Rodrigo funny enough is a perfect example of this she's been wearing a lot of like spaghetti straps sleek dresses and I'm like and like long hair and I'm just like this would look so much chicer if she had like a kind of like messy bun or like kind of Bridget Bardot kind of look or something like that. But anyways, I digress. She was wearing Scaparelli. Um, we've seen Scaparelli on a lot of the Kardashian girlies. It was a white dress with the lace up in the back, which I thought was very beautiful, very high fashion, very structured, which isn't usually the look that Taylor goes for. So I really appreciated that. And then it was paired with black gloves. I don't think I like the black gloves. I do think that if you are wearing gloves, which I love an over the elbow glove moment, it's so beautiful. But I really appreciate when it's like either lace or a monochrome look. So it's like if you were wearing a white dress, white gloves. But then that would look too wedding, too bridal. So I totally understand why they would choose a different color. But it just, I don't know, just didn't make sense to me. It reminded me of the Kate Middleton outfit. She also wore to, I think it was the BAFTAs, where she was in a white dress with black gloves. And I'm like, if the dress was black, this would have been 10 out of 10. And unfortunately, it's just like a 7 out of 10 because of the white and black. But we all know now that maybe it was an intentional white and black thing because of her new album coming out, which we'll talk about in a second. So basically, leading up to the Grammys, we were like, okay, she's going to be announcing Rep TV. There has been so many clues leading up to this album. Like, she like started wearing green at every fucking event which is like kind of like a weird color like especially like lime greens and she was wearing those brown boots with the snakes on them and I was like those are so fugly that there's no way you aren't wearing them as an easter egg (laughs) like it's just there's no way but like that's just not what happened which I'm really surprised I also think just like money wise time wise creativity wise and I know I've said this before but I'll say it a million more times until the re-recordings are done while I do think she likes the empowerment of reclaiming her old music and revisiting projects and doing them her way including songs you know that got scrapped the first time around I really do believe she really appreciates really appreciates this process but there's a part of me and I think she said this in one of her interviews like it is like 
redoing your homework after you've already turned it in, but it got lost or whatever. And it's like, I can't help but think she would want to produce new music in the meantime, which she's clearly doing, but make that have some like hype around it. And it just, for me, doesn't make sense for her to release new music now while the Eras tour is going on, but we've seen it in Tokyo and she hasn't added anything. So I'm like, why wouldn't you just whip off Rep TV and debut and then during the Eras tour, and then when the Eras tour is over, release your new album. And then I doubt she'll do a full tour with this new album, but she could have done kind of like Loverfest where she does, you know, four nights, two locations, one on the East Coast and one on the West Coast of the US, something like that. But nonetheless, she has this album that allegedly she's been working on for two years. So the other little bit of lead up before this announcement was looking at the Easter egg. So of course, we're looking at all of the Easter eggs being like reps next, reps next, like a million Easter eggs, like just Google rep reputation, Taylor's version, Easter egg on TikTok, and you will get a billion kajillion videos on everybody breaking it down you don't need me to break it down for you but there are some ones that I wanted to talk about because they really stick out in my mind first is the Jack and Taylor Instagram post where they're holding up 11 fingers so this was for Cruel Summer reaching number one on the Hot 100 this fall and there's a picture of Jack holding up 10 fingers and Taylor holding up one and The 10 fingers are a little bit like innocuous. He's like hiding his face. And I think we are to believe that they are just some goofy pictures. She's holding up the one and he's holding up the 10 to make 11. But I think that they were recording the, I was going to say the Dead Poet Society, Jesus Christ, the tortured poets department during this time. And I think that that was an Easter egg. The other thing is the Karma Latte, which I've referenced a million times. This is the shot in the Karma music video where... She has a blue fingernail on eight, which is when she announced 1989, and then a black finger on February. So people are saying, okay, well, the black fingernail equals rep TV. But now people are saying that the hands were on the 11, possibly. So people are saying that maybe it was 1989, 11, and then rep. But then what would the two stand for? Because I doubt it will be February 2025. Or maybe it is. Who knows? And then the last Easter egg that I want to talk about is in the I Bet You Think About Me music video when she's standing next to that red velvet wedding cake, which I could totally go for a slice of right now. She drags her two fingers across the cake and it looks like an equal sign. So people were like, oh my God, what does this mean? People were like, is this a double album? Is it a two? Is it an equal sign? What is it? And I think we didn't think that it's probably an 11. But I'm like, maybe that's too deep of a cut. I don't know. I can clown with the best of them. But we just, you know, we were duped once again. (laughs) It's so, it's actually so embarrassing as a collective. (laughs) But there was another really weird thing, which was, on all these Easter egg videos, everyone was like, yeah, Rep TV, Rep TV, or like double albums coming, or like whatever, whatever. But this username, at Crazy Female, K-R-A-Y-Z-I-E Female, posted on some randos TikTok and was like, hey, by the way, it's not going to be Rep TV. It's actually a new album. It's called The Tortured 
the tortured poets department and this is the track list dropped the track list dropped the two collabs with Florence and the Machine and Post Malone and then deleted their account so I'm like this is so crazy like it obviously must have been either someone from Taylor's camp trolling us or someone from Taylor's camp who leaked this but I'm curious to see what you think about this like do you think it was someone from Taylor's camp or do you think that she has a rat amongst her people (laughs) she needs to do what the Kardashians do where they will give a small nugget of incorrect information to one person and then if the story comes out but there's one detail that's wrong they can track who the person is like so smart (laughs) she needs to do that asap okay let's talk about the actual album announcement so she was winning best uh pop record of the year and celine dion was giving her the award she announced it and she basically ignored celine and she immediately announced the album this was her first win of the night she said that she has been holding the secret in for two years which we kind of got a little bit of information about that when jack released you're losing me and said that it was written in december 2021 not that this that you're losing me was supposed to be on the tortured poets department but that they were they were working on new music other than the re-records and that maybe there was problems with joe way earlier in the relationship or in the timeline than we ever realized and the reaction publicly like stoked shocked and stoked from everybody for sure i know there's a small percentage of haters that are like I'm over Taylor Swift and her like dominating the charts but like the general public reaction was like fucking like excited but the looks of her peers like the the camera quickly flashed over to Olivia Rodrigo and Ed Sheeran and Casey Musgraves and stuff like that and it was like stilted and like it it was awkward to say the least like I I can't even describe it must have been so uncomfortable to have a reaction that you just like want to emote on your face but then like a camera is shoved on it and you just have to like plaster on a fake smile kind of honestly reminds me now that I'm thinking about it of a work zoom call <laughs> and you want to react but there's a camera stuck in your face anyways I thought this was like not the best move I was very lukewarm about this am I dying to hear new Taylor music always She's basically the only artist I listen to at this point. And so to add more songs to the, you know, the database, I'm fucking stoked. But I thought it would have been way more fun if she announced it at the Tokyo show. Because she says that she does everything for the fans. And she kind of quickly pivoted and talked about how the album and the music and stuff is for the fans. And she does what she does for the fans and stuff like that. But it didn't make sense in the way that she announced Midnight's when it was a bunch of fans to when it was a bunch of other performers and production folks in the room. She actually mentioned at her, I think her first Tokyo show, she was at the Evermore piano 
And she does like a little bit of ad-libbing and a little bit of like tea spilling at this point in the tour. You would know if you saw the Eras Tour movie. And she says, you know, I thought I wasn't going to win anything. But she said in her head, if she won something, she was just going to do it. And then she said, if I didn't win anything, I was just going to do it tonight at the Tokyo show. And I just think that would have gone off so much better. A lot of people are speculating that she didn't do this because the time change, it's like 4 a.m. when she gets to, you know, these sets in the States. And people were just saying like, well, you know, she wants to break pre-sale records and like have everyone like her post and like stuff like that, which I get like if her primary audience is in the States it would be, I don't know, a little bit weird to not really hear from the majority of your fans immediately after you announce something. But I just don't think this was the look. I just don't think it was the look at all. Another piece was that the trademarks for the tortured poets department went in that night at like 9.42 or whatever, which was like minutes after Taylor made that announcement. So it seemed like they had the paperwork like drafted, but it seemed like her legal team was just as kind of surprised as her that she had announced this and they like immediately posted all of them for all of their merch ideas and stuff like that. So I thought that was interesting too. And then there was the Celine picture, of course. People were saying that she snubbed Celine. Um, like she defo did, but I don't think she has like malice in her heart. I, I don't think she thought... Celine was like taking away from her moment or anything like that I'm sure she's just as obsessed with Celine as we all are but you know I've like not accepted awards like this before or anything like that obvi but I have like you know did public speaking or like whatever um you know when you're just you have the crowd on you you have the 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 people listening you have the time constraints you have this overwhelm that you just won something. I could totally see how you would get flustered, especially if she didn't actually think she was going to announce it tonight. I could totally see how she got flustered. But there was like immediate backlash about how she treated Celine. I think people wanted to see her more respected, like Miley Cyrus was to Mariah Carey, which I super appreciate. There was, yeah, instant backlash on like Twitter and stuff like that um from out of nowhere a picture backstage of her and Celine hugging <laughs> got posted online people were saying that Tree Payne was working extra extra hard that night I also just think Celine with her condition with her like stiff person condition I wouldn't want to like jump and bear hug that lady too and I just think that Taylor like, there's a lot to criticize about her trust me we have talked extensively on this podcast about her private jet and her billionaire status and her white feminism and all of that stuff but I think the one people can't discredit Taylor for is being a warm person and giving time to fans and collaborators and stuff like that so it's like I don't think she meant any harm I think she made a oopsie daisy Okay, let's talk about album of the year. Again, I don't think she thought she was going to get this because she announced the album on the first win, which it's like obviously all eyes are on album of the year. So that's when you would want to nominate it. So I genuinely think that she was surprised. I know with her past surprise faces, 
people have thought they're fake. And trust me, I think that some of them were fake too. But I do actually think that they seem genuinely surprised. Or I'm like a fucking sheeple. I don't know. It's one of the two. It's one or the other. It's either I'm a sheeple or, <laughs> or I or she was genuinely surprised. But she was getting flack again for pulling Lana up on stage. So Lana Del Rey never won Album of the Year. I don't think she's actually won a Grammy at all, but she's been nominated a bunch. Um, she was on the record or the album. So I do understand why Taylor would want her up there because they had Jack and the and her other collaborator collaborators up on stage but I totally get that it's like if you just lost a a huge award and are sad you probably don't want to be dragged up on stage you probably want to have a pity party in your seat and so again I don't think Taylor intentionally tried to hurt Lana's feelings I think she wasn't thinking I think she was trying to be kind and gracious because she was a collaborator on you know two songs like Snow on the Beach but both versions and I think she you know wanted to show her appreciation and we got Lana at the Super Bowl so they are all good okay let's talk about the actual album hate the name (laughs) let's start there I hate the name I think it's like way too long I basically like can't pronounce it I went shopping with Kirsten during the Super Bowl on Sunday and we were talking about it and it was the first time I had said it aloud and I like couldn't get it out like even now I feel like I'm like checking myself and like really thinking because it just doesn't like roll off the tongue I guess I could start calling it the TBD T the TTPD I don't know I'm just like not into it it's also so different from our album names which I appreciate like it's kind of like it was kind of giving lame when Ed Sheeran just kept on doing like math signs. But I kind of liked that our albums were like kind of like a singular word or a small phrase like Midnight, Speak Now, Lover, like et cetera, et cetera. You don't need me to list all 13 albums. I think, I don't know. I just liked the ease of those. This just seems difficult. But we all know now that it is probably a reference to the Tortured Man Club group chat that is comprised of Paul Meskel, Andrew Scott, and Joe Alwyn. Very interesting. Very interesting. I think it's also really funny how the Joe hate is just in absolute thwards hordes right now online. Like, I saw a tweet today and I almost replied, but I was just like, it's not worth my time. But it was like, it's so nice seeing Taylor with Travis Kelsey, a guy that's like bigger and hotter than her, instead of a malnourished 1860s, like little, little dude or something like that. And I was like, babe, Joe Alwyn's tall. He isn't the hottest person alive. Neither is Travis Kelsey, though. But he is a good looking guy. And, like, do we need to rip apart his looks? I don't know at this point. I know that they broke up. It seems like they had a way more tumultuous relationship than we heard. I do think she made a lot of concessions for him, like, hiding their relationship so much. But at the time, I feel like she wanted to do that because 
she was having that oversaturation in the public eye and that like kind of mini cancellation. She wanted to hide out and she wanted to be private for a bit. Um, maybe he let that go on for too long and maybe she didn't like that. And maybe now she's bejeweled and all of that stuff. But like, I don't know. I, I'm just, do I like Joe? No. Did I ever like Joe? No. But am I calling him like a 16th century (laughs) starving, starving prince or whatever? Like, no, I'm also not doing that. Like, I don't know. Just, just fucking weird, but whatever. The internet is a weird place. Okay, let's go like briefly go through the track list. So the first night is Fortnite with Post Malone. I'm really excited to see how Post Malone and Taylor's voice voices blend. It'll be very interesting. And then we have a song called The Tortured Poets Department. Then a song called My Boy Only Breaks His Favorite Toys. Lots of like, I feel like references to him being like a boy. And then there's Down Bad. I'm assuming it's down bad horny, not down bad depressed, like I was just talking about. Then we have track five. If you're not a Swifty, you're probably not listening, but track five is her most personal, usually most sad song, and it's called So Long London. You know this is going to rip your heart like in two pieces, just because I feel like that feeling of when you're leaving a place and you know you're not going to come back or if you do it's going to be in a way different way than you normally do I could totally just see her like looking out of the window of her private jet the the raindrops of London crashing on the window and her like slowly wiping a single tear away and so long London came like popped into her head There's But Daddy, I Love Him, which allegedly is a reference to Ariel, the Little Mermaid. And this is interesting because Taylor's dressed up as Ariel for Halloween once. And it was also Lily Donaldson. (laughs) It's also Lily Donaldson's favorite Disney princess. So I don't know. We'll see. There's a song called Fresh Out the Slammer. Very excited to see what vibe that brings. But people are talking about how it may reference how in Are You Ready For It? She says, you can be my jailer. Or just how she talked about how she was like locked up for three years and, you know, referencing the the later half of their relationship. There's Florida with three exclamation points. And this is a song featuring Florence and the Machine. And Florida was the first heiress tour concert she played after announcing the breakup with joe there's guilty as sin question mark who's afraid of little me question mark i can fix him no really i can which i think is probably the one that i am most excited for there's love of my life or l-o-m-l and i am embarrassed to say not this time but a few years ago i literally had to look up what that meant and then i can do it with a broken heart can't wait for this one too and I think it's just like you know you have to check on even if your heart is broken the smallest man who ever lived I'm hoping that this is about Maddie Healy to be honest and not about Joel but Joel and not about Joe but who knows and then there's the alchemy and Clara Bow and Clara Bow is a silent movie actress who allegedly was overwhelmed by speculation about her personal life. There's lots of content about this on TikTok if you want to do a full dive into who Clara Bow is. 
But I will say there are pictures of her wearing a watch necklace. So maybe that was another Easter egg. So the aesthetic of the album is very Evermore and Folklorian. This makes me so fucking happy because I feel like everyone knows Evermore is my favorite Taylor Swift album. Um, and while I love and appreciate all of her like more boppy singing in the car, dancing with your girls tracks, I fucking love her really like indie acoustic more literary songs so much I think that it just showcases I don't know her songwriting ability so much more than the other ones and I'm just so fucking excited if that is the vibe I think Jack Antonoff is doing most of the production I'm like mixed bag about this I love Jack's production obviously he has produced like some of my favorite songs of all time not just out of Taylor Swift songs, but like in the world. And I think that they collab together. He obviously knows all of her like, you know, darkest secrets or whatever. I think he brings out the best in her in that way. I just think that their production is getting a little redundant. I don't know if they just need to bring in a third. <laughs> they need to bring in a third or if they need to both try something new together or something like that. I just think that the vault tracks at, off of 1989 really sounded like Midnight's. And I think that we could get more pop synthy, like Midnight'sy kind of music. Apparently, the album is listed as pop synth, but so was Evermore. So who knows about that? But I just, I don't know. I just feel like we could get songs that are starting to sound a little bit the same. Again, I'll be obsessed with them, but I think it'd just be cool for something really fresh. I also want to say the Midnight's aesthetic, like not the era's tour aesthetic, but like the 70s, like anti-hero, orange felt couch, crochet top, stripes, burnt colors vibe was so different than the sound of Midnight's and even like the album cover. So... Who knows if this will match perfectly too. It's kind of like how 1989 seems like a New York album, but then it's like seagulls and like beach themed. So I don't know. We'll just, we'll see. We'll see. The release date is April 19th. I hope you said that in tandem with me. And there are some few funny things about this date. It is, I don't know, the start or the end or I don't know, the Revolutionary War. I don't know. I'm Canadian. Like that was, I guess, against the U.S. and the British, which is, you know, like Taylor and Joe, like LOL, LOL. And then it's also the one year anniversary of the unfollow gate, which is when Ryan Reynolds, Blake Lively and Taylor Swift went out for dinner in New York and they all unfollowed Joe at the same time. One last thing and then we'll move on from the tortured poets department. I want to say tortured artist or something like that. Like I just it does not roll off my tongue really easily. Okay, people are alleging because she's getting a little bit of pushback about her performance at the Grammys and like how she's taking over the NFL and all of this shit. And people are saying that she is conducting this so she gets mini canceled and she can do a rep style drop again. I think that is giving so much more credit to Taylor and Tree like that they ever need like I just don't think that that's true at all 
And I think that a lot of celebs use like some outrage bait to stay in the media for this long. Like take a look at the Kardashians. They have done outrage baity stuff for years and they've had, you know, successful 15, 20 year careers at this point. Taylor's been, again, famous for 15 years or whatever. I think they know what they're doing. And I know it's fun to speculate about these things, but I think sometimes it is just not that serious. Also, again, like I said before, or it is that serious. And that's exactly what they're doing. Maybe I'm a sheeple. Okay. I think the last thing I would just want to say, there is like a meme or a TikTok or something that was going around about Diet Coke. And it's just like a girl drinking a Diet Coke. And it's like Diet Coke is just so much better when you don't have some bitch in your ear saying that it's bad for you and I really want to say that is exactly how I feel about Taylor Swift right now Taylor Swift is so much fun to consume critically and like for joy and stuff like that (laughs) but man is it getting annoying when you have people whispering in your ear how how annoying she is and stuff like that like it takes some of the joy and the fun away and again that's not to say we like stick our heads in the sand and aren't critical of some of her behaviors and stuff like that but when you just want to like enjoy a poppy tune uh it is way better when there's not a whiny bitch in your ear telling you that it's bad for you Okay, let's move on to two other pieces of news around Taylor Swift. First is Argyle. Man, oh man, do I have a fucking bone to pick about Argyle. And I think it is actually contributing negatively to this quote-unquote oversaturation problem that Taylor Swift is having. And it's not even her fault. But basically what happened is Argyle is a Apple TV Universal Pictures movie that was released in early Feb based on a book that was released January 9th, 2024. And you're probably thinking, oh, that's interesting that such a big production company um, chose to make this movie out of all the movies that could be made on a book that came out a month prior. And you would be right. That is fucking weird. So basically... The book is written by Ellie Conway, and it's about a spy. And that's as much as I'm going to say about that. And she had some suspicious profiles. All of a sudden, she had an Instagram and a Twitter um, that just kind of came out of nowhere. And people were like, hmm, this seems like an industry plant or, or like a fake person. And so, and the book, when it came out, it was talking about how it was going to be a trilogy or even a quad and how the books aren't even published yet, but the movie has already been, you know, picked up for a sequel and all of this stuff. Why is it on such a big budget with this unknown author, et cetera, et cetera. And Ellie herself denied these claims. She posted on Instagram, how do you fluster an introvert? Publish her first novel, have Matthew Vaughn buy the movie rights, then tell her she has to start using social media for visibility. So people were really doubling down that, yeah, this is a real person with a real author, a real person as a real author. And then people were like, okay, maybe it's actually Taylor Swift because the author has red hair and it was very all too well. Taylor's version, 10 minute version from the vault, (laughs) whatever, music video where she's an author and she has red hair. And Taylor has been talking about lately when she is maybe like 
done with her music career, moving into writing and directing. So we're like, hmm, could this be it? The author is also the main character in the movie. So just chew on that for a second. She wears a cardigan in it. <laughs> yep, that's that's how bad the, the Swifties were clowning at one point. And then she, this is the biggest hint, but the author slash protagonist in the movie also owned a Scottish fold cat that she carried in a cat backpack like Taylor in Miss Americana, which I realized now when I was doing research for this episode, I've been saying Irish setter cats, which I think might be a dog or not a breed of any animal, but it's Scottish fold. And I swear to God, I've been saying Irish setter. But anyways, she has a Scottish fold cat and we all know that no one can own that cat except for Taylor Swift. Um, so people are like, okay, maybe it's actually Taylor. And also I wanted to say, I'm pretty sure she's British possibly. And then we're like, oh, well, like Taylor was in London for like five years or whatever. But we find out later on that it's all a ruse. That author does not exist. The book and the movie was actually written by two authors, Terry Hayes and Tammy Cohen. And and Matthew Vaughn, who bought the rights, asked uh, Terry Hayes to write an accompanying book inspired by the movie that was in development called Argyle. So the movie didn't, or the book didn't even precede the movie. And then like the TLDR on this is that they like completely ripped off a bunch of things that Taylor, like that would indicate it was a Taylor Swift movie or Taylor Swift was involved and she wasn't at all. And it like pisses me off that they would like so, so obviously just like make us think that she was involved so we would buy movie tickets. Like for some reason that seems so unfair to me because the movie... What the TLDR is, is that the movie flopped. It made like $60 million at the box office when it cost like $200 million to make or whatever. Like probably one of the biggest flops of the year, like Cats level flop. And it just sucks that, I don't know, they would like so blatantly try to use her work for that. I guess what I'm saying is I'm just glad that Swifties didn't go and then buy all the tickets. And then they're like, this was a huge success. We're just going to do this again. Like, I'm happy that this flopped. So maybe people won't like rip her off in the future. Not that they even like really ripped her off. Like Bryce Dallas Howard, who was the main character, was talking about how maybe they were subconsciously inspired by Taylor Swift. And it's like, no, like the movie poster didn't even have a woman spy on it. It straight up just had a fucking cat. Like it's just, it was obviously ripped off and purposely misleading to your customers. Okay, let's move on to Jack Sweeney. So Jack Sweeney is a college student who has been tracking celebrity private jets and their flight patterns and how much fuel they use for years. If you are a patron of Ready to be Petty and you are in our Discord, you know that we have a channel dedicated to Taylor's jet and we talk about where it's going when she's off to Kansas City and Nashville and Tokyo and LA and all of these things. It was really fun when we tracked her to London and then she showed up at the Beyonce Renaissance movie premiere. Um, celebs do a lot of tricky stuff to get out of this. They often change their like plain, like it's kind of like I... I, this is probably the dumbest way of putting it, but it 
kind of reminds me of like a car's license plate, but they change that all the time. So you can't track it like automatically using like bots and stuff like that. Um, they've tried to change it like a million times. And I know also like all the flights aren't tailored specifically. They are moving to places to get refueled or they are, it's being rented out by other people, which doesn't make it any less bad. But like we've been tracking this for, I would say like over a year. Like I started, no, over two years, I guess, because I started my Patreon in September 2022 and I think we set up Taylor's Jet Channel immediately so we've been tracking this since September 2022 I I go back and forth on the privacy concerns I don't think it's necessarily a privacy concern because I don't think like us normal folk would be able to show up at a private jet like runway or whatever but I, I don't actually know how that works. So maybe it is. If, if you know, please fill me in and I, I'll change my stance. But it's like we don't know where she goes once she reaches, like, lands in the city. We just know that she's there. And I guess, like, creepy people, like, now that I'm talking it out with you guys, maybe creepy people would just, like, wait at the private jet place and then, like, follow her car or whatever. So I, I don't know. I guess maybe there is a security concern for sure, but I feel like the Barbara Streisand effect totally happened with this, where her legal team sent Jack Sweeney a cease and desist saying, stop doing this, and there was so many articles picked up about it where I think before only us, like, fucking losers were tracking her jet. So tell me, tell me what you think about this. I'm really, I'm really, really interested. I talk about this with... I don't know if I talked about this on the pod or on the Patreon or maybe just with a friend in real life, but like I know that our worship of celebrity has caused some of these, you know, privacy concerns and safety concerns, which then lead to celebrities taking private jets. Like I totally understand that and I contribute to that. So I don't know. I just think it's an interesting way to have a conversation about private jets and stuff like that then there was all this like propaganda or like maybe that's too strong a word but there was like all these tweets about how taylor's not even in the top 30 celebs of private jet fuel emissions or whatever and it's like i don't care if she's one or 31 she uses a private jet like i use my car and it is radically affecting the planet and i have to drink out of a paper straw because of it so really like down with the private jets truly so yeah let's weigh in on that I I feel like we could have an interesting combo about the ethics of tracking private jets and like I don't know for me it's like it's keeping billionaires accountable but now that we're talking about it like I get that there are some fucking freaks out in the world that might follow her because they know about this but I don't know. Let me know what you think. Okay, let's move on to the Super Bowl. Usher was the halftime show performer, and I had, like, the most fun 13 minutes of my life. His singing and dancing, it just shows you, like, Confessions came out 20 years ago, and it just shows you, it's like, this is why that man has had 20 plus years of staying power in the music industry because he is such a good singer and such a good dancer and has 
so much charisma. I was also thinking, and I feel like this happens with a lot of singers or performers, is that I forget how many like hit songs they have until they do a medley like this. Because I was like, oh my God, this is bop after bop. And like not a lot of songs that I have in my like everyday rotation, but I should. I liked that he included Las Vegas elements because the Super Bowl took place in Las Vegas. Like there was lots of like showgirls and feathers and acrobatics and stuff like that. I thought that that was a nice touch. I loved Alicia Keys performance. Apparently her voice cracked. And then when they posted it on YouTube, they took out the crack But it's like, I kind of like that because it shows you that they are live performers. And it's like, I don't want my performer to be like perfect, like a robot. I'm there live. I want to see what live is, right? Like that doesn't, that type of stuff doesn't bug me at all. Loved, loved, loved her outfit. Loved the like red cape thing. Loved that she took it off and it was like this like sexy red suit. Loved when Usher and her were singing together and he was like chasing the girl like in an R&B early 2000s music video where it's like the girl's walking and he's following behind but like dancing and she doesn't know he's there like I just I love that so much I love that content the rollerblades were fucking insane like just thinking about the coordination that you would have to have for that absolutely insane and people again people were commenting on his sweat and I want to say yeah he's like he's clearly in peak physical condition everyone could see that (laughs) everyone could fucking see that but it's like yeah performers sweat because they're under huge lights and they're trying their fucking hardest like this is going to be the biggest performance of his life he's probably been working on this for like nine to 12 months or whatever of course he's gonna put it give it his absolute all I would be pissed if they weren't sweating I've also done like like I used to do dance when I grew up and stuff like that so it's like I've done dances that are like 90 seconds and your heart rate is going so fast you are sweating you're out of breath because you're giving everything physically for those 90 seconds and so Yeah, it didn't bother me one bit. I like loved when he took off his shirt and there was like a sheen on his abs. Like it was hot. I don't know. I don't know. People are fucking losers. Her was also there. Lil Jon, Ludacris, Will I Am, and Jermaine Dupri. Loved seeing Ludacris. Um, Like just so much fun. They were doing like that clap thing. I was just having so much fun. Lil Jon was like, again, super fun because like yeah was such a epic song I don't know it was 10 out of 10 I I had a really really good time Justin Bieber was rumored to perform that week and I was like there's no way that Usher is asking him the week of the performance when again they've choreographed this with all of the sets and the dancers and the cameras for fucking I there's absolutely no way that they would just like ask him to casually come on And so that kind of like pissed me off. And he was just like enjoying himself in the audience. And I think with all of his like mental health struggles, especially around performing, that's all we really want from him right now is to just like enjoy the Super Bowl like a fucking patron. Like you don't have to always 
be performing and stuff like that. And then, of course, let's talk about the two like commercials that I cared about, which was the Wicked trailer and the Beyonce announcement. So the Wicked trailer came out and I just actually did an episode on when Hollywood meets Broadway on Patreon, which was about the Wicked movie with like the Ethan Slater and Ariana Grande drama. I did the funny girl drama and then I talked about stunt casting, like how Ariana Maddox is on Broadway in Chicago right now. And then I just talked generally about Broadway shows that became movies and talked about their reception, if there was any on-set drama and stuff like that. You can check that out, patreon.com slash podcast. I'm struggling with the Wicked trailer because, and I say this actually out of concern, like I'm not concerned trolling at all, but it makes me worried or like sad to look at Ariana Grande's face right now. I just think like, I don't know. I, I do think it like something's going on in like a place of unhappiness, but maybe I'm also projecting that I just like can't get over. Um, I know when people usually talk about people's like faces or bodies online, it's usually concern trolling like they don't actually care they just want that person to fit into whatever you know societal standard they think is best but something just seems not right in her world and it makes me very very sad but the rest of the trailer looked amazing like I loved seeing Alphaba and Fiero and more of Galinda and all of that stuff I talked about how I've seen three Broadway shows and one of them is Wicked on that Patreon episode so I purposely went because I knew this movie was going to come out and it's such a classic so when I had a free night in New York I think two summers ago I decided to you know buy last minute tickets and go see it that night so so I'm very very excited actually this is kind of like a This Weekend Petty but also just like not but on the posters it says it comes out on Thanksgiving and it's just so American centric that it just pisses me off so much because it's like not only does only the U.S. celebrate Thanksgiving in November um but like also it's just a it's a bullshit holiday but it's like why the fuck would you put Thanksgiving can you not just put November 26th or whatever like if that pisses me off so bad because it's like Thanksgiving Okay, so, like, for me, that would be October, like, 12th or something. Like, anyways, whatever. (laughs) Whatever, it doesn't matter. Beyonce also announced that she has an album coming out, the Act 2, and she released two songs, 16 16 Carriages and Texas Hold'em. And I'm telling you right now, I'm calling it, I know it's February and it's early, but Texas Hold'em is the song of the summer. I think y'all know last year I, like, went to Stampede and stuff like that, y'all, and had a country summer a country girl summer you know coastal cowboy has been in and all of that stuff I went to Nashville I am doubling down on the country vibes I'm busting out the cowboy boots and the cowboy hat and we're gonna have a great time this summer that song is gonna be stuck in my head for months to come lastly the Chiefs won yay um (laughs) Lots to say about the Chiefs and their name and their team and football in general. (laughs) But overall, excited for Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. I loved watching all of the 
post-game celebrations. I feel like because Taylor was there, we got so much more of, like, the behind-the-scenes footage of how they, like, you know, like, really rip it up. Especially because you're in Las Vegas. It would have just been primed for, like, the best party night of your lives. So it was just so fun seeing them dance to Love Story, them kissing on the field, her dancing with her bottle of champagne, her parents out and about, Jason Kelsey just being, like, such a normie with just like partying so hard and stumbling home and Travis giving Taylor her jacket, his jacket and stuff like that. Like I am not going to lie. Like there are so many videos from that night that now it's like two days later that I've been just replaying and replaying in my, I was going to say in my mind, no on Twitter so much and like I'm like giggling screaming kicking my feet like it's it's really quite something I'm quite like taken with them truly (laughs) before we nominate a pettyweight chairman of the week let's talk about some relationship updates Charlie D'Amelio and Landon Barker broke up so Landon posted on his stories a few week a few days ago And said, hey everyone, I would like to let you guys know that Charlie and I are no longer together. We broke up to focus on ourselves. We are still friends and have so much love for each other. I am incredibly grateful for the time we shared and hope you can respect our decisions. Thanks. Love you all so much. So they started dating in June 2022. And they were a little bit off and on. But they were definitely on by June 2023 when he got a tattoo of her eye like fully on his bicep it is massive and they were my favorite Halloween costume of the year when they dressed up as the Leonardo DiCaprio Romeo and Juliet so I'm kind of sad about this I I kind of have a weird affinity I I know they're not perfect but for Dixie and Charlie after watching their TV show I really do think the monsters in that family are the parents driving these two girls with extreme anxiety to do a million trillion things post TikTok careers. I really like them together. I like seeing her at, you know, the Kardashian events. I think it takes the Kardashians down a a little bit of a peg when I feel like they try to avoid the reality TV moniker so much, even restyling their new tv show as documentary style versus like reality tv they try so hard to get away from that that it was kind of nice to see just you know yeah classic famous for nothing quote-unquote people at their party and now we won't get that i think the alarming thing for me though is this weekend in vegas she was seen at a hotel with zach bia and if you know who zach bia is He is a DJ slash like socialite, but boy version that was the inspiration for Olivia Rodrigo's song Vampire. So we're just like, Charlie girl, stay away. Like, please stay away. This seems awful. Of course, they could have just been hanging out. Maybe they were like with a group of people, but it seemed like they were like going back to her suite and it seemed like they were alone So I don't know. I just think that that he should stay away from her. The other thing that we got was Odell Beckham Jr. and Kim Kardashian at the win in Vegas this Super Bowl weekend. I think this is interesting because 
I think there's been rumors since the fall about them maybe dating, but we haven't really had any pictures or info about this relationship. And she was also kind of wearing a cowboy hat. So cowboy, cowboy is in you guys. It is so fucking in. But yeah, I, I like this pairing. I don't know what to say. I don't know too much about him, but he seems way more of a match with her than her last boyfriend, which I guess was Pete Davidson. So yeah, stoked for them. And I'm excited to see what they do in the future. Maybe their first official hard launch could be the Met in May. Okay, let's end the show with our Pettyweight Champion of the Week. This is the part of the show where I'm going to nominate a Pettyweight Champion of the Week, someone in the media who did something in Petty and it, it was iconic. And I want to talk about Tate McRae. I feel like I haven't talked about her at all, but she is blowing up. She's from Calgary, so obviously I have a special affinity for her. But on February 3rd, it was the NHL All-Stars in Toronto, and there was some Canadian royalty there, Will Arnett and Michael Buble, Justin Bieber and Tate McRae. And it was so much fun to watch. Like, let's just talk about Justin for like two seconds. So much fun to watch Justin just like in his element skating. He's such a good hockey player. He is really good friends with a lot of the guys on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, he was mic'd up during the like warm up or whatever that he participated in. And then he was sitting on the bench during the game or whatever they do. And he just looked so at peace and so comfortable and so happy the way that he was fucking grinning. It just made me so happy because I just feel like he's had a rough go at it these last couple years with his mental health stuff. I think Scooter Braun pushes him way too fucking hard. And just to see him do something that I know he loves. And some of the guys were asking him, like, when was the last time he skated and like all of that stuff. And he's like, oh, it's it's been a while and stuff like that. And I'm like, buy yourself a fucking ice rink <laughs> or like go skate around with the the Toronto Maple Leaf boys like every once in a while because you clearly love this so much and he like performed a few songs a lot of them were like some really deep cut like old ones and he just looked like he actually wanted to be there it was like it was so life-giving and I just feel like you know growing up in Canada you just like always love a hockey boy which is you know what we're going to talk about with Tate McRae and yeah, he just looked so good and so at peace with himself. So anyways, okay, I don't need a wax poetic about Justin Bieber on skates anymore. But basically Tate McRae, and if you don't know her, her main single right now is Greedy. She was on SNL earlier this year. She's like blowing up. She's really good friends with Olivia Rodrigo. And she's from Calgary, which is really close to where I live. She was dating a NHL player Cole Sillinger from the Columbus Blue Jackets which like lol because like who are the Blue Jackets and they started dating in 2022 and they broke up in early 2023 so she mentioned that her boyfriend like this was the soft launch she was like yeah my boyfriend is one of my brother's friends friends of friends so it all worked out and her brother is also an NHL player and I guess maybe in a clip because you know how like hockey guys or like sports guys professional sports or whatever they always get asked like do you like taylor swift or like who's your celeb crush or like 
like whatever like what are you wearing as they like enter the arena or whatever I guess in one of the clips he said that she was her his celeb crush and I actually like love this as like as like kind of shooting your shot because like she was born in 99 1999 he was born in 2003 so it's like it's not like me being like, yeah, George Clooney is my celebrity crush and then that going viral. This is like a very real possibility that she could get in touch with him. So I actually love this like call out because I'm assuming then she slid into his DMs and was like, hey, saw that video, like, LOL, haha, like, here's my phone number or whatever. And I just really like that. I don't know. I really like that move, but it's like totally set up, I think, but it's it's good. I I would, you know, that would work on me is what I'm saying. Okay, <laughs> anyways. So they dated for like a year and all of a sudden, like, because they would post quite regularly on socials, but all of a sudden Cole deleted all of the pictures of Tate off of Instagram and we're like, okay, it is over. Ovskis. I, I don't know why that came to mind. I guess it's all the hockey. <laughs> but I just felt like I had to say it like that. And if people don't know, it's just like when you're a hockey player, you just add like like ski to the end of everything. <laughs> like everyone's last name and stuff like that. It was of skis with Tate and Cole. But then she released her music video Greedy and it's set in a hockey arena. And it's like kind of making fun of and being a little petty towards her ex Cole. And then all throughout her, like, pretty small first tour, she wore a hockey glove. And now she's at the fucking NHL All-Stars. So it just really shows you if you, like, stick to the bit long enough, you can shove it in your ex's face by showing up at, like, the biggest event with, like, she's standing next to, like, fucking Sidney Crosby and stuff. And he plays for the Columbus Blue Jackets. (laughs) It really just shows you you can win if you, like, stick to the bit long enough. Okay, friends, that's all from me. Thank you so much for listening. I really, really appreciate it. As I mentioned on Patreon, just released the Broadway versus Hollywood episode. Go check it out, patreon.com slash podcast. And I'd like to shout out two of our lovely patrons this week, Silas and Pamela. Thank you so much for supporting the show. I appreciate it so much. If you don't want to join Patreon right now, that's totally okay. You can show your love for RTBB by leaving us a rating and review and following us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Over on my other podcast, Ready to be Romanced, we are covering Twilight next. We just did a really fun episode on Bridgerton and season one and The Duke and I, which is the book that the season is based off of so that was really fun but we're going to talk about twilight next and rereading it has actually been giving me fucking life i haven't read it in so many years and it's been so fun to discuss so even if you're not super into romance novels you might want to check that episode out okay friends i hope you are safe and healthy out there as always i'm your host tori and i'm ready to be petty see you soon bye